church how many are expecting the Lord's coming Amen. if the Lord comes today are you ready if the Lord Jesus Christ comes today are you ready praise the Lord well, that's going to be the topic of my exhortation today is coming soon the bride maketh herself ready. Amen? Yes. Revelation chapter 19 give me verse 7 and 8 The bride maketh herself ready From verse 6 And I heard a voice as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready the bride maketh herself ready who is the bride of the lamb the church you and I amen but he says you have to make yourself ready. So that is what we are going to talk about. The readiness. How do we make ourselves ready? That's what we are going to talk about today. And if you read further, verse 8 said, this is one of the things that the bride has to get in, herself into. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. What is this fine linen? For the fine linen is the righteousness of sins. Praise the Lord. Righteousness of sins. So we're talking about the bride we make ourselves ready. So you're going to be clothed with fine linen. And this fine linen is righteousness of sins. Praise the Lord. How what are, what, are the, what are the things we need to get to get ourselves ready is what I said is going to be the topic of this exhortation today. And when we say the Lord is coming soon, without trying to go into so there are many things we can talk about when it comes to the coming of the Lord. But we are saints, we are thinking about the rapture. Amen? Let's quickly point to that before we go any further. First Thessalonians chapter 4. The reason why we are going to that is because some people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Yeah, it's not the word that matters, it's the episode, the event that we call rapture. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16.
Let me start from 13. But I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, this is a teaching, so go slowly with me. From that verse 13, it's saying, because people die and they go on, I said, well, you know, the end of the world, people have been saying the end of the world is near. People have been saying for thousands of years, it has not come yet. Apostle Peter addressed that. He said, in the last day, there will be scoffers saying that where is the promise of his coming? Oh, since our fathers fell asleep, all this thing continued. But he has a day, he has fixed. And we are believing it's going to be our generation. That's our belief. But see, even if it does not come in our generation, you know something. When he said he is coming soon, go get to work. It is not the, it's not the coming down from the sky that matters to you. You only have very short time to walk. If you are going to walk at all, you and I, how long can you live on this planet? Say 100 years, 120 years. That's a small segment. But those segments, you only have some fragments of that that you can walk for him. Maybe when you are 30 years old, you are 60, 70, 80, you are no more able to do any much running around, to go and preach, to go and do anything for the Lord. So your time is limited. But if you don't do something now and get something, you have no glory above. So that's why it's coming soon. It's for you to walk now. Whether it does not come in your generation, whether it comes later, whether many people pass on to glory by death, they have done their own part and what you do now is going to prepare a home for you over there. There have been stories of people that have visions of heaven where they said they found that say, this is the house that is being built for you but it's not completed yet. Yeah. Are you going to go to a house that has no roof? Incompleted house. So it's what you do here now. And how long do you have to do it? 40, 50, 100 years? To do for Jesus what you do here for Jesus that is preparing a place for you in heaven okay so that is what I'm trying to make you to see that you need to it's coming soon it's for us to work hard because we have a very short time to work on that but it is still coming for the rapture for that generation that is going to meet here so that is why I just digress and told you that, hey, it does not matter whether it comes in your generation. Oh, our fathers have been saying it. People have said it and they have passed on. Somebody said, well, it's a evangelist, this preach that thing is dead and now. They may all be passing on. And many of us may even pass on. But you see, you only have short time to walk now. So do your own part and prepare yourself so that you are building a home for yourself in heaven. What you do for Jesus, you are, he said, if you, if you, if you give to the poor, you are lending to the Lord. So whatever you are doing right now, you are sending it across to complete your house. Praise the Lord. So now that is the first thing I want you to get in this fact that I said the Lord is coming soon. But now, readiness that you are talking about, you need to be ready whether you are going to be here for the rapture or you are not going to be here. You still need to get yourself ready. Because it's coming for individual person and when it comes, you say, my reward is with me. To give to everyone according as your work shall be. Praise the Lord. Where you see that? Where, where is that in the scripture? Revelation chapter 22. Point that one really quick to you. Revelation chapter 22. 
See what verse? Verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work. Work shall be. Well, not the work that saves you. We are not saved by work, but it's a reward. The house that is building for you up there, how big will be your mansion? Somebody said, well, I just want a little, a little house by the corner there, where you may like a little house by the corner, and be saying, I thank God, glory, hallelujah. But there will be somebody that will be having a glorious mansion because of what he did for Christ or not. So why don't you get the best? Praise the Lord. Why don't you pay for the best? So work for the Lord while he says night is coming when no man can walk. So all of those look like digression. But let me go back to what we are talking about. How do we get ready? What is this white raiment that the Bible said is the righteousness of the saints that we must have to be ready for Christ? And this is how he puts it in Revelation chapter 3. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, the Lord Jesus challenged the church, which is our, our end time church, actually. He said the church of the Laodicea. That said they have no need of nothing. They are full. They think they are rich. They think they are wealthy. They think they have all things together. Let's see what the Lord said. In verse 18. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. From verse 17 says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art what? Wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. That is all the People going around evangelizing great works of the Lord and uh, thinking that we have great power and we are really said when we when he looks at us we are still wretched, spiritually wretched, naked, miserable, poor, and blind. And and he said, verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold to be rich, you have to get gold. Try in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Then he said, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shape of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eyes out that thou mayest see. See, they mentioned white raiment, and that religion that we first read, that said, said, the bride maketh herself ready, to her was given to be clothed with white raiment, it's the righteousness. Someone said, well, I'm already righteous, I'm already righteous. He said, but you are still wretched. Remember? All our righteousness are filthy rags before the Lord. If you are going to lean on your righteousness. But we that have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ don't sit on your laurels, like people say. Don't assume I already got it all. I'm already righteous. Instead, I look at you, you are still wretched. Naked. Let me give you a quick example. If you find yourself in a vision naked, you wonder what happened. Where's my clothes? In the dream, it's telling you that there's something missing. That is what he's talking about. And that may be, and you may find yourself naked, and you find how that manifested the day you and your spouse begin to yell at one another. Nakedness. You say, well, is that nakedness? Your righteousness is not complete. That's why it turns into 
yelling at one another in the house. Nakedness. So when God is looking down and said, you are naked, he's talking about that righteousness. When you yell at your baby and your daughter, you almost get, you can tell anger is going on from within you. Nakedness. That's what he's talking about. Because he said, the righteousness of the saints is what covers them. He said, buy of me. So he said, but when you are born again, all of those things should go away. Also, all the anger, rage, yelling at one another. Not to talk of in the streets. I'm just talking between the household, husband and wife. That is the nakedness. You see, righteousness is the garment for the saints. When you are in the streets and somebody bump on you and you didn't say, I'm sorry, you almost yell back at him. Road rage. That can make somebody kill you in this world now. And also, it's nakedness. But see, we are called to be saints. Saints. Holy people. You and I, we are called to be holy people. So when the Lord is saying, he looked down and he said, we are wretched and naked and blind and I counsel you to buy of me that white raiment. He's talking about these little, little things we sometimes think they don't really matter. Well, you can come back and repent quickly and say, yeah, Lord, I just yell at my little baby there. <laughs> Where is this anger coming from? That's what I was supposed to say. After I talk about the sins of the world, he said, "Ye also put off all this. Who is he talking to? Believers. Ye also put off all this. And the first thing he says is what? Anger. Wrath. Malice. Filthy communications out of your mouth. So those are all the things that the Lord is summarizing and saying, buy of me white raiment. So I talk about White remains as the righteousness of the sins. So you can see when you talk about this, we will just go from one ear to the other here, unless we analyze it and tell what is this unrighteousness that the Lord is seeing through into the deep heart of us. Now the point is, many of these things sometimes they don't surface until there is a specific atmosphere that makes it surface. That is, you may go for months and weeks and, oh, I'm so holy, and you are excited about yourself because you have not been placed in an environment or situation that will make that evil thing to show up. So it does not really show up. But the Lord has already seen it. He saw the pride which you does not manifest for a long time. I remember a testimony I listened on TBN, on Christian television, a woman that always go about witnessing, and she would come back and tell the pastor, she felt she was firing up the pastor, what the Lord did when she witnessed over there, what the Lord did when she witnessed over there. So this same woman that gave her own testimony, that the Lord showed himself to her one day in a vision, and the Lord told her, when you go to tell the pastor those exploits, you are proud. No, Lord, I'm not. I'm just trying to exercise. No, I'm just trying to rouse up the faith. But God sees deeper than what you cannot see. God sees the hidden pride. And that is what? He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Sometimes we can't see it, but the Lord has seen it. And when we allow Him, He will reveal it to us so that we can walk on it. So that all these things, I'm just trying to summarize everything He's talking about when He says the white raiment, the righteousness of the saints that we need to surrender to. Let's go to the next one. Let me say, how do we get ready? Philippians chapter 2. The other part, the other thing that we need is that humility that every one of us needs because we all, this is the first one leads to the second one. Humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. So look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So that Bible, well, that verse challenged me for a long time. What does that really mean? Thought it not robbery. That is not trying to grab it and say, well, gee, I'm equal to you, I'm equal to God. You know, because that is what it means. Like, am I, if you thought it not robbery, say, well, what kind of language that thought it not robbery to be equal to you? You are not trying to grab it. You say, well, gee, I'm a pastor too. I'm a pastor too. That's competing also. So that's what he's saying there. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So you can see our Lord Jesus Christ has not only just demonstrated it, he lived that life that showed that we ought to be like him, we must die to ourselves and decide that humility that he said we must be clothed with humility. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5 it's another way Peter put it. First Peter chapter 5 he said likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder ye all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Everybody say humility. humility. Be clothed with Humility. He said, For God resisted the proud and gave grace to the humble. Amen. So we want that as part of the cloth. In fact, there was a vision a man saw, and it was pictorially described to him that humility is a cloak, the highest rank, the highest order. You want to be the highest order of sins, you must be clothed with that cloak. You must be clothed with that humility. That is the greatest clothing. Because our Lord Jesus Christ was clothed with that humility when he came. The Almighty God himself came, clothed himself with humility. He said to be high up is to get low. And I saw that video one time where somebody said to get into this house, you've got to get through like a shield. That is a big mansion, a very huge mansion. But the door to that great mansion was so small that only little kids can go through it. A huge mansion, like a palace. But the door to that mansion, 
so small that only these two kids, children, can go through it. So if you come, you are six feet tall. How am I going to get through there? You've got to crawl. So. Unless you become like what? A little child. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter that kingdom. So that is what he's telling us in many forms that we've got to be humble. Praise the Lord. And Lord actually said it in another way when the apostles began to compete with one another and say, Who is the greatest among us? What do you mean? Who is the greatest? Well, Peter, James, and John went to the mountain, so they were not around. And somebody brought his, uh, his son to the remaining nine apostles for them to cast this lunatic spirit out. And they couldn't. That's what the Bible said, they couldn't. And then when Jesus Christ came with the three apostles, that was the, when they went to the mountain of transfiguration. So he came down and saw this pandemonium, the crowd, and said, what's going on? And the man came and said, I brought my son that was a lunatic to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. And the Lord finally, you know the whole story, the Lord finally get that boy healed. And then the disciples came and seek power privately and said, Why couldn't we kill him? Why couldn't we, why couldn't we cast that devil out? Now we know the story of what the Lord Jesus Christ told them. But the Bible also said they were competing with one another who should be the greatest. That was their problem. And then the Lord answered them, He brought a little child, unless you become as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom. And He said, Anyone that will receive this little child in my name, I receive me. So all of those things are telling us the same story. We, saints of God, we need that humility to prepare ourselves for the rapture. Praise the Lord. The next one is so balanced. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 to 13. So we all talk about the Lord has brought grace to us. Grace is what saved us. See, we are saved by grace through faith. Said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us, verse 12, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, remember, all the worldly lusts, we just mentioned the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, we have to deny those. Then he said, we should live soberly. Do you really understand what it means to live soberly? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So that's another thing we need to think about, the soberness, the life of Christ. They say we should live soberly. Well, why do we need to live soberly? The next verse, verse 13 tells us. We are looking for that blessed hope, which is what we are talking about, the Lord is coming soon. The rapture. We are going to go meet him in the air. And not only that, because people say, well, you are saying only those people who are alive by that time. What about those who passed on? That's why I want to go back to that first Thessalonians. Let's read it again. Because those who are passed on, they also have the hope that Apostle Paul was talking about that they will be resurrected. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and what? The dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise the Lord. I remember my big brother came to America, maybe many of you were here then, 2015 when we were having a wedding, and I sponsored him to come. And he was a Muslim. When he came, when he left Nigeria, he was a Muslim. When he left Nigeria. But when he came over here, he gave his life to Christ. Because somebody witnessed to him right in my house. And he was baptized right in my backyard. And the Lord purposely did that for him. That was my big brother, three years older than me. And I remember when I was preaching that same, that same Sunday after the wedding. And I thought, told him about this. The reason why he, was, he said, he said, I want that. He wanted that resurrection. He did in Christ. He said, that's what he wanted. Why, why was he not thinking of rapture? Many people in our, in our house, we say, you remember that man? He's passed on. What about that, your friend? Gone. What about that man? Gone. Many people have died in that town that we all knew. In fact, when he met me at the airport, he was saying, Oh, that I see your face again before I die. I said, You're not going to die. That was how, how he was looking for death. And it was not just 70 then. But now it's past 70. I'm so, um, three years old, so it's going to be 70 or 71. So by that time, he was thinking of that man dead, that friend dead. All over in Nigeria and some of the people that he knew that were all passed on. So that was why, and he was Muslim, and none of them have any hope. But when he gave his life to Christ, and he was born again, and we baptized him in water, and we pointed and said, yes, he wanted that. He wanted one of those to be resurrected. We were not talking of rapture, he was talking of resurrection. He was so happy that that's what he wanted. I said, well, I can guarantee you that now you have given your life to Christ. Because a newborn baby, I was thinking, if the Lord comes today, I'm not really sure he was going to be ready for rapture or anything, or rapture is still many years to come, but we can guarantee you that once you are born again, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise the Lord. That is what I'm pointing out to you, that, that you go maintain this life of Christ. Righteousness, that we said. That's what I meant when I said, being ready is not just for the rapture, you better be ready for this also. Apostle Paul was saying, he was praying that he would be, how did he put it? That he would be classified, to, to qualify for even the dead. Remember, for the resurrection. He said that, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Apostle Paul was still believing God that he would be a member of that resurrection. The same man that wrote that we that are alive. He said, we that are alive. Many years later, he saw that he was not going to be alive for that. But now he started saying, that I may be a particular of that resurrection. That was Apostle Paul. So, it's a glory if they are particulars of that resurrection, dead in Christ, because there will be a final resurrection a thousand years later. The book of Revelation chapter 20 will tell you all of this. The timetable of God's event. It's already in the book of Revelation chapter 20. But see, to even be a member of this resurrection, the dead in Christ, go to qualify. So that's why when we say readiness, bride making ourselves ready, it's also included being ready to be one of them to be resurrected by Christ. Because 
Let's read that verse. Revelation chapter 20. Let's read that verse. The angel said, Blessed and holy are they that partake of that first resurrection. They are blessed and they are holy. Verse 6. Let me read from verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, this resurrection we just mentioned, which he said in verse 4, that there will be the dead in Christ resurrecting first. And then in verse 5 said, verse 6 said, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. So you see what I'm saying? You are blessed and holy if you partake of this one. So when we say the Lord is coming soon, the readiness of the saints be ready. It's not just for the rapture. Even those that pass on because it's not yet time for the rapture, they better be qualified to be one of those to be resurrected. That's why he said, blessed and holy are those that partake of this first resurrection. That was what Apostle Paul was talking about when he said that he may even be a partaker of that. Because these are privileged. Praise the Lord. Say the blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. But he shall be the, he shall be priest of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So I could see where, why my brother said, Oh, he wanted that. He was not shooting for rapture. What is that? Praise the Lord. Now I say soberness is one of the things we better live soberly as the word of God says in Titus chapter two. Soberly righteously and godly in this present world if you are looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ and 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 also said the same thing 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 the same word Apostle Peter said be sober now be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour now when you think of the devil devouring people, people talk about the devil wanting to kill them by disease, death. Well, he uses that too. But his major, if you know what he's doing, is to bring them into sin. To make them fall so that they don't even enter that heaven. That was his strategy. So when he says, looking for whom he may devour, guard yourself that he does not bring you into sin or any ungodliness, or any unrighteousness. Because that is the greatest asset. That is what he's trying to accomplish. Because if he killed the person by somebody just came by and shoot him down and he died and he died in the Lord, there was going to a better place. The devil just lost somebody. So he was not interested in that. But if he could bring them into sin, then he's, doing some, he's making some victory. So we have to remember when he says he's looking for whom he may devour, guard yourself that he does not bring you into sin, which is the first, the greatest devouring. Not the sicknesses, not the diseases, not the other things that he uses, which is like, we can't get them this way, slap them around. That's what those look to me. If you can't do, make them kill them through sin, maybe slap them around, that's perhaps the worst, the, 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 the little he could do. But hey, don't let him get you into sin and ungodliness. Praise the Lord. Now, like I said, 
That is soberness. We need to be sober. So what does it mean to be soberness? What does this sober mean? Simply means we need to humble. It's part of humility. There's a proverb in an African dialect that said, if your yam is white, after you cook it, it's so white, what do they say you should do? Cover it when you are eating it. What does that mean? I mean, don't be bragging about it. Don't let other people be jealous. If they see your, yours is whiter than theirs, now they are asking up jealousy and strife. So the Yoruba said, if your yam is white, hide it. When you are eating it, just hide it. So in short, that's what I, what I, how I see soberness. Soberness is that where well, gee, everything is going great, but say, humble yourself before the Lord. That is what soberness looks to me. And you can interpret it many other ways, but he said, be sober. Then he said, be vigilant. Means keep your eyes open because the devil is roaming around. That's what it means. Keep your eyes open. But still, walk soberly. Soberly does not mean you close your eyes. Amen? Because if you close your eyes, you can't see anything. You are opening your eyes, but you are walking humbly. But you are smart to keep your eyes on whatever is going on about you. Praise to the Lord. Now we're going to talk to the biggest part of it. We are really where I'm going, which is the mind of Christ. Because we are talking about how do we prepare readiness for the Lord, readiness for this, for the for the home going that we are talking about. Now I'm saying home going. Whether you go up through the sky, which I'm believing God for, which many of us hope for, or those that will be old and aged now and they go through the grave, they're still home going. He said, how do we get ourselves ready? It's what we are talking about. We talk about white raiment, which is righteousness. Talk about humility, which is clothed also, clothed with humility. And we talk about soberness, how we walk in this life. So be sober and be vigilant. Watch and pray. It's another way the Lord put that. Watch. Keep your eyes open, seeing what's going on in the world. Be prayerful. And then we talk, now we're talk, 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 going to talk about the mind of Christ. And what do you mean by the mind of Christ? See, Christ has a mindset. And we must have the mind of Christ as we live our life for him. The first thing I want to talk about is that in John chapter 14, verse 30 and 31, Gospel of John chapter 14, the mind of Christ, you will see that Christ has the love of the Father. And we must have the love of the Father in us and have that kind of mindset. How did the Lord say it? He said, hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing with me, not in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Now, what was he talking about? He said he was going to lay down his life because the Father said that is the only way to save mankind. That is the only way you could save mankind. From being sent to lake of fire, everybody. And he said, I love the Father. I just have to do it. So we must have the mindset of loving the Father to the point that we are ready to just do whatever he says, even when it's going to hurt us. That is the first thing about the mind of Christ that I want us to take with us. That we must have that mind of Christ. And many of us have not even shown that mind of Christ. We are thinking of our business, ourselves, our things, and when it clashes with what God wants us to do, we put God on, this, on the back burner 
and do our own things, then we are not ex- we are not showing this mind of Christ that loving the Father first. God Almighty is the Father. That the Lord is saying. And then in our case, we are loving the Lord Jesus Christ, which means his instruction. To the point that there was a time the Lord Jesus Christ was hungry. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And he sent the disciples to go and buy food. And they went, all of them, and he sat by the well. The Samaritan woman came. And the Lord spoke to the Samaritan woman by the well. And that was, you know the whole story. Told the woman her life. The man you must be a prophet. I said, right? He, as he speaks to you, he said, I am the Messiah. He, that was the only place, according to the scriptures. The only woman, the only person he revealed with his whole mouth that I am the Messiah was a Samaritan woman. Because the woman, when they talk from physical things and say, well, you must be a prophet. Now they talk about religious things and just guys say, well, you guys believe this way, the Jews believe that way, I tell you this way. Huh, that's another doctrine. Well, let's just wait for the Messiah. That's what the woman was saying. This man said this is right. That man said it's right. You tell me another one. Well, the Messiah will solve it. So I am the Messiah. And that's say what? The woman would have said, I met a man by the way. How can you just say you are the man? Everybody can say that. Here come 12 hefty men calling him Rabbi, Rabbi. That opened the woman's eye. I'm seeing something strange here by the way. And the man told me I'm the Messiah. I'm not only told me, he told me all my life. The woman ran to go get. And then the disciples said, Master, eat. We got the food. And what did the Lord say? I have meat that I have to, that you don't know yet. Even though he was hungry, the love of the Father. The job must get done first. So that is what he just demonstrated in that chapter, Gospel of John chapter 4 for us, of putting all this self, flesh, satisfied flesh, put it aside and satisfy the Father, the work of the Father. That's why I call it the food that he must eat first. And then the woman came with the crowd and they invited him inside. They listened to him. So that is the love of the Father I'm talking about. Now, First John chapter 3 verse 10, I'm saying, how are we preparing for the Lord's coming? We must have a mind of Christ. That is the first mind of Christ that I see. Having that mindset that, Lord, I'm serving you. I must do the Father's will, even if it's hurting me. In first, not self. Second thing is, First John chapter 3 verse 10. First epistle of John chapter 3 verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 14. Go to verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So that is the love, the mind, we must also have the mind of Christ is to love the brethren. Because he said that's how we know we have passed from death unto life is because we love the brethren. Who are the brethren? Those that are in the household of faith. That is the mindset of the mind of Christ. Many times we see, we say, we are this, they are low, and so on and so forth, but 
you, that is, those are facts, but you don't have to let that hinder your love for the brethren. The love of the brethren is essential. That's the mind of Christ. The point, other point I want to point to us is the mercy we must have for the lost, for the sinner. Luke chapter 9. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 51. We are looking at the mind of Christ. How Christ sees the world. How Christ sees the world. And we must have that mind to be able to be ready for the Lord's coming. Because that is the love for the Father, the love of the brethren, and the mercy for the sinners. Read between verse 51 to 54. When the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Next verse. Same messenger before his face, and they went and entered into a village of, his, of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Next verse. And this Samaritan did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So there is a, a ethnic trouble going on. And what was the next verse? When his disciples James and John saw this, I mean they saw these Samaritans are not welcoming us. They are not from our church. They are not from our tribe. They are not from our this. All of those type of things that demarcates woman, woman beings. And he said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Even as Elias did. And what did Lord Jesus say? Verse 55. Next verse. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. Amen. That is the mind of Christ I'm talking about when it comes to sinners. So we have talked about this, I, these three things I just mentioned. Mind of Christ, love of the Father. Must be, we must have love for the Father. More than our own, the, you know, her, her first desire for meat or drink or anything. And then love for the brethren, body of Christ. Whoever is born again is my brother. We must have that. That is a mind of Christ that we must have to be ready for the, for the bridegroom. The third one is mercy for the sinner. Instead of calling fire upon them, they have come to save them and not to destroy mankind. So let's go to another village. And that is one of the places where many of us get upset, get offended, because we see the, how they dress. Oh, we are angry. We have to show mercy. We see how they act. They are in cocaine. Well, we try to preach to them, and I, I was guilty. We are, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself, all of us. I remember going to South Phoenix many years ago when I first came to this country. And I was as guilty as anybody else. And I went to preach on the streets. And I got to this on Broadway, and there was this little shop that looked like a, this, the actually say wine, or the alcohol, whatever it is. And there was a young man that was drunk, just staggering and dancing in the streets. And I tried to preach to him. Maybe I was not speaking clear English because of my deep accent. He was not paying attention, he was not even interested in what I was saying. And I was almost offensive. We are trying to help you guys here. Well, I might say I'm trying to help you guys here because I'm preaching. 
I mean, I felt like walking away from him. That, but trying to help you guys say, look at how you are behaving. And that's how many of us see the sinners. We try to help you guys here. And when I talk about the Lord, just say, what have you just said? I'm trying to help you guys say. I mean, I feel walk away that look at this man trying to help you to know that this is the only way you can. And the man was churning me and nothing. And I just felt, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Why did I even say that? Where did that come from? I'm trying to help you guys as if I'm greater than anybody else. God, I come to preach. We must show mercy to the, to the, to the sinner. And not condemn them because of. I'm telling you, that was in the 1980s. And we need to show mercy to the sinner. It's one of the things I say we need that mind of Christ. That came under the tree. Remember the story of our Lord Jesus Christ? The Sadducees are surrounding him. He was going through Jericho. And there was a man that was shot immediately called Zacchaeus. Very rich. But a sinner, everybody knew him. Why, what do you mean by a sinner? The whole city knew him to be a sinner. Well, what was he doing? Cheating, fraud, tax collector. The chief of them, they gather and they bring to him. And he cut it into half, pocket half, gave half to the Romans. So they all knew what he was doing, that he was bribery, corruption, whatever you can think, he was the chief. So the Pharisees, the religious guys, the Jews, they hated him for that. Not only that, he was collecting money and charging them double so that he can get extra. So that's why they call him a sinner. Because they don't do those things and they don't work for the enemy. Because the Romans were the enemies. And Christ came into the city, walking through this midget. I thought about this man, they called the rabbi, and he wanted to see who is this man. And he ran and said, well, the man is coming through the street. And he ran with his big robe, not a rich man, maybe gold chain. But he was still a small boy, a small man in the, in the, in the station. And he ran with the boys to go and climb a tree. Just to see who is this rabbi, they called him, Messiah. And the Lord come, got to the bottom of that tree and looked up. See, deep, call it unto deep. Humility. Is that humility? That was what God called humility. Because he was climbing the trees with the boys. Most of the boys would be over there because they are like three, yeah, three feet, four feet tall, five feet tall. And you know how people started the Messiah? Twelve hefty men, crowd of onlookers, the press. They are hefty tall men. The Lord just got about six feet. So you can see all those men. So if he was four feet, five feet, he better be with the boys to be able to look down and see this Messiah. But that Christ called that humility. A man, a rich man, climbing the tree with the boys. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus, come down. And the Lord, and he said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to stay in your house tonight. And the Pharisees were upset. Mm. You went to eat to stay with the sinner. And the Lord said, well, that is what he's saying. We have to have the mind of Christ. That you mercy unto the Sinner. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, that is some of the things we need to be, to have to get ready for the Lord's coming. The mind of Christ. Now, I'm going to talk on some other things that our mind really is meant for. Let's give some, just some Bible verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 8. 
Because when we see the mind, where is our mind? You see, the, the, what I've just described so far is the mindset that we should have. But now let's talk about spiritual things a little bit. Our spirit is right in our belly. Our soul has its faculty in the brain. But the mind is like, you say, if you are in computer, you know what you call memory. You know what you call storage. Then there's something we call Addition, addition and subtraction is done in the register. Somewhere there is where everything is processed. It's in my mind, somewhere there in our faculty. So words, information comes from the memory in the brain to the mind for you to process it. Information can come from your spirit in your belly to the mind for you to process it. But that mind is where the battle, the last battle is in our mind. When it comes to Preparing for the lost coming. Our mind is where the last battle is. Because your spirit can feed you information to your mind, which you should do. Information that you store in your brain, you have to bring to your mind to process. Then there is the other world, the devils, that can also speak from the outside. It comes to your mind also. As ideas, suggestions, opinions of the devil. To make you do what they want you to do that is wrong. And you need to take captive those type of thoughts. And that part of it is what I'm talking about in this last part. When I say the mind. But here is Apostle Paul giving us a statement. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that's the prayer. Pray that for yourself. And verse 8 said. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, this is what our we should, what you should use our mind for. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That is, that is how you should use that to filter what you should let into your mind. Use that yardstick. If an idea comes to your mind, it could be a thought of talking about somebody, discussing about someone that's not a, a great somebody you saw on the television, you want to talk about him or talk about is it honest thing you want to say about him? Just? Is it pure? Is it of good report? If it's not of good report, don't even say about it. Shut, shut it down from your mind. You say, These are the things you can use to to take captive what you like to take captive every time. Second Corinthians chapter 10 is what Apostle Paul say in verse 5, verse 4 and 5. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. So this is the weapon that we are going to use because the devil, most of the fight, the devil fights with human beings is through the mind. Before you can do anything, before anybody can go and steal, it has to come to your mind first. The suggestion comes to the man or the woman, then he acts on it, that's when he's going to operate or you know, go and or implement what the thought says. But instead we have weapons that we can use to arrest all those things in our mind before they come to become part of us. Even what comes like opinion or doctrine or ideology. Think of what you call in the world. Uh, feminist movement that look at ideologies that started in the 70s or something. If you let it in, very soon you'll be fighting at home with your, with your spouse. 
Those are the kind of things. But you see, you can take captive those thoughts. Don't let it first into you. He said, our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strong goals. What's next verse? That's five. Casting down imaginations and every other thing that ex- exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Obedience of the word of God. That is when the thought comes to you and you say, well, this is not right. This is, that's what's good in the world. Do it. Or be like the Genesis. So take captive to the obedience of what does the word of God say? That's Christ. To the obedience of what does the word of God say? Christ. And you say, no, we don't do that. Like I say, we that are born of God, we don't commit sin. You just tell yourself. You tell that thought that comes to your mind. No, we don't commit sin. Why? The seed of God remains in us. And we cannot sin because we are born of God. So you bring that thought to that obedience of the word of God. The word of God says this. That's how we are going to overcome. Now, I said all of these things. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. As I wrap it up. Verse the story of the ten virgins. Because we are talking about preparing for the Lord's coming, and I just gave you some of those things you need to work on or to think about. The mind of Christ, we must have the mind of Christ. Or we must have that white raiment and humility and soberness, part of what we need to get ourselves ready for the home going. Praise the Lord. Now, in this story of the Matthew chapter 25, the Lord gave us this parable. So the kingdom of God is like this. Ten virgins that went and waited for the bridegroom. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 1. I'm going to run, run through it to verse 13. Let's just go through this, the whole story. Because we are talking about preparing for the Lord's coming. And we're going to see what was the missing thing for this Foolish virgins that why they miss the, ma- the bridegroom. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Next verse. But they, they that are foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, all of them. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lambs are gone out. But the wise answered, Say not so. Lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, see that readiness again? They that were ready went in with him to the bridegroom, and the door was shut. Next verse. Afterward came also the other virgins. Well, they also got by later and they came. Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Praise the Lord. Amen. The 
did not get ready. And the other people say, well, go get the oil, go buy it, go get it from those that are selling. Go get it from those that are selling. But they did not get ready is the key thing. But they finally got it. But you see, you can begin to get ready right now because you do not know the day of your own calling. That's what I'm saying. You do not know the day of our calling, whether individually or the day the Lord's going to come. Say that no man knows the day nor the hour. Except the Father. So that's why we want to get ready. Start getting ready from now. Start getting ready from now. So they went to buy her, which means they somehow something they need to get. Remember when I was preaching some several several, several visits here before, talk about how to get how to grow in Christ. I mentioned studying the Word of God, dip your nose in the scriptures. That's part of what you use to grow, also. That is what you use to get the oil. But when you're talking about oil, say oil is going to keep you burning. They say faith is burning. They say faith comes by hearing, which is study. Study. If I ask a child and say, how many have read through the book that I gave last year? That you have read through it. I've bought two different books. I myself that I've read through it again. I myself. Anybody has read through that one that said uh, the biography that was even in July? Anybody? Anybody have read through the one that I said Christ has abolished death? That the Lord said, put it out. Anybody? That you took it and uh, I have another one for you. See, but that's how you better get your oil. Because those are the things that start you up. Why do I read it when I'm the one that wrote it? I didn't wrote that book. I didn't. I didn't write the book. The author, the Lord Jesus Christ, just said, compile these things. There are some that have been preached. Even the one I'm preaching today, many things I wrote down, they are not the one I'm putting them in. It's just whispering into my ears. So don't think here that Bradulas wrote it. No, Bradulas didn't write these books. That's why I read it myself. To get me ready, to get me fired up. But dip yourself in the books. The word, the books, they are to build. That's the oil. They say, well, oh, you better go get your oil. The reservoir. They came with reservoir. The reservoir that shall fire them up is the anointing. Anointing comes on you as you study. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Praise the Lord. Now the Lord brought, and I remember I give some vision sometimes. The Lord told me that that book, you need to put it out there. And I say, okay, Lord, this is the next one. But let me bring that book over here. And the Lord just said, I should introduce it again. And it's free to you guys. You know how you participate in giving the book out. You can take as many and give it out to your friends after the fellowship, after we wrap up here. And then you can give donations. That's how you participate in the work of the Lord. As I said, we should send it out to the world, not just to this It's not for the group here. It went to the nations of the world. This one is called Rapturing Faith. That's why everything I said over here that I summarized here for you, humility is a chapter in that book. And so on and so forth. And the mind of Christ is another chapter in that book that I just summarized here. See? But you need to dip yourself in those books so that you can build up your spirit, preparing for the lost coming. Like I said, it is many of these have been sent to nations, pastors all over the world. The Lord gave me some addresses that send them to them as samples. Because that was how we got the message of the end time also. Somebody brought a book from here. To Nigeria, 
go from hand to hand to hand. Very soon he got to some hand and we all jumped up and we were excited. And that was how revival broke up in the 1970s. One man's ministry that brought all of us here. So the Lord said, do the same thing. Just send it to all those nations from Australia all the way to South Korea. And there are still many more because there are so many nations I missed. So, you can give donations, you participate when you donate to gospel distribution ministry. You are participating in the work that the Lord is doing in sending it out to the nation. But see, but the most important thing is not just this, it's for you to dip yourself into these books, get yourself the word, because faith comes by hearing. Like I said, everything I just mentioned here, I summarized the humility, is a chapter in that book there. And uh, so, so by the mind of Christ, send that chapter in that book there. And I'm going to just wrap it up right now and say, at the end of the sermon, you're going to come back and get as many and give donations as the Lord lists you. Then I have some smaller pamphlets there that I actually run out of that, which is, there's one that says, Be ye holy. And then there's another one that says, Persecution is coming. After the rapture, there's going to be persecution. All of this came out that I just put them together. They are just sermons. This one is persecution is coming and I only have two left here. But see, I put those ones because they are all on Amazon where you can buy it. But see, I'm all bring you, and this one says, Be ye holy. This, we talk to the one that say righteousness as garment. So you, you take heed to that one and this is for, you can use this evangelist, Be holy. But I only have a few of them left here. But the main book is the rapturing phase. I have so many here, almost uh, maybe about 30. So you can take as many as you want. Give it to other people. And the Lord will bless those that read them. It's really so that they can really prepare for the Lord's coming. Amen. Amen. And let's just stand up. Let's just stand up and say, He is coming soon. He is coming soon. Whether we like it or not, He's going to come. The Lord is going to come. Whether we are ready or not, He's going to come. But I want to be ready. So let's pray. Talk to the Lord yourself. Say, Lord, surely I come quickly. So he said, surely he comes quickly. But he said, well, he said that 2,000 years ago, like I said, he's coming. When people cross over, that's when he comes for them. When they cross over, when they're in bed. But we that are alive and remain to that day, we shall see the sky open. But are you ready for that? Will you be one of them to go into rapture? That is the summary of what we are talking about. It's coming soon. Just talk to the Lord yourself. Just talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me to be ready. To have the mind of Christ. To be clothed with humility. To have that righteousness. The white raiment. He, com- he, com- he commanded and challenged the whole church at the same time. Buy of me white raiment that you may be clothed. Pray for yourself. I pray for myself. Say, Lord, help my garments. Help my garments to remain white. So lest, they, lest you lose your government and they see your sheep, is what they say. So pray, to your, pray for, the, for yourself. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this hour. We just pray for everybody that have listened to this, that you will put it in their heart. That compelling motivation to aspire to the goal of overcomers, that is what we want, Lord, as they read this literature, as they dip their nose into the books, into the scriptures, that you put the zeal upon them, that you make them to be ready. Thank you, Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's coming. Come on now. The priest can come forward and uh, prepare your offering. Prepare your offering as they give us a song. Jesus coming soon.
Don't you ever do you? 